This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. I've got some big news on the credit front. Believe it or not, one of the credit bureaus now will let you create your own credit file. I'm going to explain how that works. And later, need to add a little bit more meat on the bones to my advice on travel and cruises. Got a new warning for you about booking. So Experian has been experimenting for years in how they're going to deal with the new competitors that are coming up with new ways of evaluating people's credit standing that work quite differently from traditional credit scoring models that are from the troika of Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. They've pretty much been doing the same thing for a couple of generations now. So now there's a lot of deep data, a lot of people out there coming up with new ways to more accurately determine risk levels from people, particularly those who have what are known as thinner nose, no credit file or virtually nothing on it. So if I'm a bank, a credit union, a lender of any kind, it's really hard for me to figure out the risk level that somebody represents who is younger, maybe they're an immigrant to the United States, whatever it is, somebody who never used credit and now, hey, now they think they want to buy a home or a car and they need a loan. So there's all this experimentation coming on. I've talked about pedal card in the past that uses an entirely different method to determine your risk level. There are a number of fintechs that are using new methods to try to determine. So Experian came up with something called Boost a few years ago that started as an experiment and now is a regular product for them, not recognized by most lenders, but it allows you to have things reported as part of your credit and potentially uh, there's a version of a credit score that takes into account how you pay your power bill, uh, how you pay your cell phone bill, how you pay your rent, different things that normally are not incorporated at all in a credit report or a score. Well, now Experian has gone a step further in something that I first mentioned when they were testing it, and now they're launching it, and it's a program where you If you are a no-file person, meaning you have no credit report at all, which there are tens of millions of Americans that are non-existent in the credit reporting system, you can set up your own. Wild, huh? And then what they report on are these non-credit things in your life. They reported to the Wall Street Journal that the average equivalent credit score of people from the test and how they paid their regular bills 
was 665, which is actually a pretty decent score for a credit rookie. And it's enough potentially for someone to get a traditional low limit credit card and to get a not horrible car loan. So this is, and maybe even an FHA loan. I mean, this is all part of an emerging thing. Equifax and TransUnion so far are sticking to this is how we do credit reporting and this is how we develop a score and this is what we do. Experian is a foreign-owned company. If I remember right, they're British, maybe. And they have been not as married to the traditional way of evaluating credit risk for people as the two American companies, TransUnion and Equifax. But over time, there's no doubt that how you're evaluated for credit is going to change significantly, and this is one step in that process. Another side note, you may remember that during the pandemic, you've been able, instead of as the law allows, get one free copy of your credit report once each year through uh, a government-approved industry website that I'll mention in a second, will extend it again through 22. Instead of getting your credit report from one of the three majors once a year, you now can get it once a week for free all year long. Now, the website is called annualcreditreport.com. And something I feel was really misguided in the regulations, when you get there, the credit bureaus are able to use the free reports as a loss leader to then try to sell you all these crummy, terrible, rotten, awful subscription services to who knows what. Don't buy any of the garbage that Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian are peddling at annualcreditreport.com. Just use it as a place to get your free scores. And yes, garbage. That's what you're giving people, Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian, trying to sell them all that junk. I have some questions about credit scores and reports. This one's from Corinne in Pennsylvania. Hi, Clark. Been listening to you for the past two years now, and I love your podcast. I'm looking to build my husband's credit score as well as mine. Is there a company you recommend to clients like a credit stimulator? Basically, a company that tells you what you need to do to build your credit. Thanks for everything you do. Peace, Corey. Corey, thank you, and great that you're on this mission to improve your credit standing because it affects you so many different ways, including what you pay for things like auto insurance. So the best tool we have in the marketplace is creditkarma.com, free to set up accounts for you and your husband separate for each of you. And they will tutor you in the steps that are key to raise your credit score. And over time, if you follow what Credit Karma teaches, you'll be able to raise your credit score. Potentially, if it's a low score, you'll be able to raise it a couple of hundred points in not a horribly long period of time, not overnight like the fly-by-nights say. But you will be able, just with some nips and tucks and changes with how you handle money, to be able to raise your score a lot. And it's free to use Credit Karma. They, the trade-off is kind of like using Google for anything. Credit Karma uses the information they know about you to try to market products to you. 
uh, new credit cards, personal loans, auto loans, whatever loans. This is from Joan in New York. I check my credit scores on Credit Karma frequently. And last November, my Equifax score went down 104 points from 750 to 646. My transunion remained in the 750 range. So I requested my credit report from Equifax and there is nothing derogatory on my report at all. I called them. The person on the line kept assuring me that everything was positive on my report. So nothing to worry about. When I tried to file a dispute online, it's only possible to indicate specific charges that are incorrect. There's no place to inquire why my score inexplicably lowered and remains over 100 points lower than TransUnion and Experian. What can I do to get some answers? So, Joan, here's the story. So, when you pull a credit score from Credit Karma, the TransUnion updates uh, daily. The Equifax, I, maybe it updates only once a month, I think. And the most likely difference that would cause a 100-point gap between your Equifax and your TransUnion, the version of the score that Credit Karma uses, which is not an actual FICO score, the thing that tends to move the Credit Karma scoring model so much in a short period of time is how much of your available credit you're using. And if you go back and look and it shows you what made up your score, you may find that your credit utilization being reported by Equifax is higher than your credit utilization being reported by TransUnion. Credit utilization accounts for 30% of your credit score. So if one of them is showing you having more of your available credit in use at a time than the other, that can cause a big gap in the score. And I have unusual charge patterns over the course of a year for our company. And there are times that we run higher charge volume. We pay our balances in full for the company, but we use a lot of credit cards that I'm responsible for for that. And my score will move more than 100 points from bottom to top or top to bottom simply because of the amount of available credit I'm using. And if you show no late pays, no problems on your Equifax report, almost certainly it is credit utilization that's causing this gap between the two scores that you get from Credit Karma. And this is from Rika in Ohio. My son is going into the National Guard and started a trade school this fall. At the beginning, we were thinking about diesel tech, but the school has added an electric car course this year. Is diesel going to vanish? I'm not sure what advice I can give to my son. I would like to seek your opinion. So a couple of things here. First, express to your son my gratitude for putting on the uniform of the U.S. military and being willing to put his life on the line for our freedom. I am grateful to him for that. Second, diesel, uh, we are a long, long way before diesel is gone. And in addition, there are so many diesel trucks on the road that will age and will need mechanics for them. There's an extreme shortage of mechanics. So it's not an either or here. If he really enjoys the diesel tech, great for him to do that and stick with that. Um, If, on the other hand, he is not having a great time at it, obviously the future of vehicles in the world slower here in the United States for adoption than elsewhere. But there's no doubt that electrification of the entire vehicle fleet in the world is coming. 
and the number of electric vehicles sold in the United States is going to dramatically increase each year moving forward. So they're both fine. I'd say it's more which he enjoys more would be the path I would take. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about the cruise industry and how I'd booked a cruise for my son's spring break, which has freaked people out, I will tell you. And I got updated info and advice for you straight ahead. So unless it's canceled, we're going on a cruise for my son's spring break. My son, a friend of his, my wife and I going on a cruise. And we have a column at Clark.com quoting from me in that column and talking about why this is the year not to go on a cruise. (laughs) That's the headline. So Clark the hypocrite going on a cruise. So as I've explained before, and as I will explain again, we go on cruises because my son lives for them, loves them. Every minute he's on a ship, he's thrilled with. Cruise industry, an absolute turmoil, Crystal going bust. Um, I can't believe the thing where Crystal was sailing a ship around in the Atlantic so that creditors couldn't seize it. And the passengers were prisoners on the ship having to stay on the cruise longer than they booked for, which for some people, they were probably thrilled. Others were like, wait, 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 I got to get back to work. I got to mm-hmm. do this, got to do that. And they ended up in another country and finally were allowed off the ship, had to make their way home. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. The cruise lines have been canceling cruises, no notice, people showing up at the port, nope, nope, we're not going today. Cruises are being uh, terminated mid-cruise because of COVID outbreaks. The rules keep changing. Test here, test there, test before you go, test this far before you go, blah, 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 blah. Sounds like a blast. Yeah. And then on ship, uh, most of these ships you can't go on if you're not vaxxed. But even if you're vaxxed, you have to wear a mask anywhere you're indoors and you can't go here, you can't do that. I mean, man. And then these ugly stories about when somebody gets sick on the cruise with with COVID. They got the COVID, as people want to say now. The cruise lines are locking them up in like these little prison cells below deck. And food is brought to them on styrofoam plates. It's apparently crappy and cold. Yeah, I actually said the word crappy because yeah. the way people have described the food, I can't think of another word that uh, summarizes it. And if you're kid listening to me do not use that word because your parent will be very upset with me but anyway um cruises are a lot of hazard and opportunity at the same time what's the opportunity i just told you the hazard opportunity think of this as like a junk bond now remember i already have this column saying why you should avoid booking a cruise this year but why would you book one the deals the cruise lines are offering right now are ridiculous so and they're not as crowded right and not for 23 and 24 their bookings are intensely strong for 23 and 24 so they're charging uh very high prices for next year and the year after but if you're willing to go right now and know the risks involved the deals are crazy big I've seen some of the ones coming in 
And it's like, they got to be kidding with, you know, first person pays retail, second person gets 70% off, and you got all these lists of freebies. And my goodness, if you can afford the money for a suite, it's like they're going to give you everything possible you could think of. You know, it's really a problem for me. I don't drink. And all these cruise lines are throwing these offers of free alcohol at me. It's like such a waste. (laughs) I mean, such a waste that all I need is my Coke Zero that you don't want me drinking because of the artificial sweeteners, Krista. Mm -hmm. But I'm happy. I got my, you know, soft drink and water and I'm good. So, but anyway... I know some people that would come along with you and drink the alcohol. Drink for me. Hey, go to the bar. Get me another drink. Slip it to me over here. (laughs) They see you do that on a cruise line. You're in big trouble. Mm -hmm. You're in the brig. Not quite. But anyway, so I, I almost feel like that story we did, I should have said, booking a cruise right now for this year is only for the faint of heart, rather than saying, don't book a cruise this year. But- Just know, if you are that extreme bargain hunter, this is your time. You just might not end up where you expected. And forget the ports listed on any brochure. Oh, yeah. The ports ain't happening. These ships are sailing out and, oh, we're going to be here this day. We're going to be there another day. and We're going to be here this other day. And instead, you may not be there, 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 there. You may just be sailing around in the Caribbean or the Atlantic or the Pacific or the Mediterranean or whatever, and you're waving at land, you're not touching it for a week. Okay. Well, this is from Michael in Wisconsin. Hey, Clark. I booked a cruise scheduled in April with Crystal Cruises, and they have canceled it because their parent company is bankrupt. Unfortunately, I've paid in full, and my Chase Card trip insurance doesn't cover financial insolvency. Crystal claims they're going to issue full refunds to everyone, but I find this hard to believe. Chase recommends disputing the charges if the tour company goes bankrupt, but I'm outside of the 60-day dispute window, so I'm not sure if I should dispute the charge or hope for a refund. Any options I should consider? So, Michael, you, along with many other people, this is a terrible situation. One of our staffers um, had her cruise cancel on Crystal. She was supposed to be on the ship that's like, that, that was, you know, the one being sailing chased by around, the police. Chased yeah. around by the people trying to seize it. So, the thing that may help you here is the merchant processor for crystal they're aware of the the financial situation the cruise lines they may have done big hold back of money and there may be some money to come back your way from their failure um don't know how it's going to play yet and a lot of people are waiting to find out our staffer tried to dispute the charge with her credit card company and they refused to accept the chargeback I mean, this is this is going to be a hot potato that nobody wants to touch. By the way, a, a credit card company does not have a legal right to refuse your chargeback request. And so what our staffer was told is not legally correct. They can then later say, well, for these reasons, we're not going to give you your money back. But they don't have a right to refuse letting you dispute a charge. Um 
as to whether or not this Chinese entity is going to come up with refunds for people, nobody knows. And I would like, because crystal cruises are so expensive, I would like to be able to tell you that you can rest easy on this. And right now, Michael, I can't tell you that. Um, there, It's just unclear. But as far as disputing, waiting till the tour operator goes bankrupt with many different subsidiaries involved, that doesn't sound like the best advice. I would go ahead and dispute the charge and be on record that you have disputed it and let's see how it plays. This is from Jennifer in Georgia. My mother-in-law would like to take my daughter on a trip to Europe in 2023. My daughter will be 14 and my mother-in-law will be 73. If anything were to happen to my mother-in-law while on the trip, who would have custodial responsibility of my daughter until we can get on a plane and get over there? They will be using a tour company and traveling between London and Paris. So you gave me the the most important thing is the last part. You gave me the tour operator. Uh, the tour operator that you're using is a high-touch tour operator. And in a tragic situation, if your mother-in-law were to end up in the hospital or whatever, the tour operator is not just going to abandon your 14-year-old daughter. That's not something to worry about necessarily. I mean, it would be distressing for her, particularly if she sees her grandma pass away in front of her. But 73, unless she is pre-existing with a lot of medical issues, by today's scale, 73 is pretty young. And it would be unusual and unlikely, barring some existing severe medical problems, that you would need to worry about something happening to her. And I know you're worried about your 14-year-old daughter, but they're more resilient than you think. What an opportunity. What a great thing to do with your grandmother. This is from Eric in Pennsylvania. I canceled a family trip to Mexico this past holiday season due to concerns with traveling and COVID. When trying to cancel a dolphin encounter, I was told that they would refund my money, but could not put the money back on my credit card because the excursion was booked more than three months prior. Baloney. Instead, they requested my bank account numbers to issue the refund. Feeling this was not wise to do, I did not provide my account numbers. And I'm out the 400 plus I paid for the dolphin experience. Did I overreact by not giving my account numbers or was taking the $400 loss the best thing to do? Taking the loss was the right thing to do. It would be risky for you with this operator of the dolphin place uh, being people you don't know. You don't know if they're on the up and up. But what you should do if you've not done so yet, get on TripAdvisor and post that you have been unable to get a refund for this, even though they told you they would refund because the trip did not happen because of COVID. And uh, unless TripAdvisor suppresses your post, that will be helpful. And odds are you will be contacted by the Dolphin Encounter Group saying, what do you want? And you say, hey, I'll pull my post down if I got my money. Because that's what you're after. You're trying to get your money back. What about opening like an online or some kind of other bank account that you just give to them to put the money in and then you just take it out and don't use it again? You could absolutely do that. That's a good alternative suggestion, although sometimes past here. Maybe they'll still do it. You never know. 
Okay, this is from Jim in Georgia. I am on your site and see some great travel deals. For example, the fares from LAX to Hawaii. When I go to the airline sites, the fares are much higher and they just sold out of the low fares or am I misunderstanding how to do this? Jim, thank you for this. So um, as an example, there's was a sale last week from the West Coast to Hawaii again with fares that were 89 and 99 one way. Sometimes they're cheaper than that. Recently, there was $69 one-way fares from the West Coast to Hawaii. So if you go to Google Flights, google.com slash flights, and you pull up, you can pull up a fare calendar and you can see day by day over an extended travel period where the cheap seats are. And with Hawaii, I like it if you do it as one-way searches. First, you're going, then your return, and figure out where you can match up the cheapest seats both ways. Because the fare patterns are so irregular. And I, when I looked at the most recent sale from the West Coast to Hawaii, generally seats were available four or five out of seven days every week. So that's why being flexible with the calendar will likely get you the cheap seats. When only a single airline offers a sale somewhere, then it's an exercise in frustration. The seats go really, really quickly. But when there are, like, the most recent Hawaii sale, it was Alaska, Hawaiian, Southwest, American, and United were all offering. Delta was the only one that wasn't offering the fares. And so it was really easy to find the seats on that sale. And if you uh, get the newsletter from ClarkDeals.com, we let you know when there are those big blowout sales to Hawaii because we know with travel deals, for some reason, deals from, particularly in the winter, some reason, from the mainland U.S. to Hawaii are clicked on more than any other travel deals. And by the way, if we didn't get to your question... Or you'd like one-on-one advice. That is a free service of our show. Has been now for more than 29 years. You can reach out to a Team Clark Consumer Action Center advisor Monday through Friday, Eastern Time Zones, 10 in the morning till 4 in the afternoon. And you can call in for that one-on-one advice for free, 636-49-CLARK.